Hello, Loveland. I'm Mike Meldon, and this is the Loveland Weekly Podcast. Brought to you by Gina DeBell-Smith, EXP Realty, and Stone Pillar Farms. As many of you know, I also run a local nonprofit here in town called Love Our Land. My partner Doug and I have used this podcast a couple of times to spread the message of our mission and to get people outdoors. Recently, Doug made a very interesting discovery in his own yard. He was told by the state authorities that he had to keep the information quiet until they could verify his find. Well, they recently verified it. A non-native and somewhat invasive moth species here in Loveland for the first time anywhere in the state of Ohio. And it's only been found in a few other states nationwide. Here's the story of his find and some of the implications of the moth. Enjoy. Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. All right, Doug, tell us about what you found and why this is important. Yeah, so I recently documented a non-native invasive moth uh, here in Loveland that had not been previously documented in the state of Ohio and the closest population, known population, uh, was in southern Michigan. The This moth is known as the box tree moth, and it uses uh, ornamental boxwoods as its host plant. So this is really important because in Ohio, there are millions of dollars of sales of boxwoods for ornamental landscaping uh, on an annual basis. These plants are very common in Loveland and uh, abroad. We tend to see them planted as hedges in a lot of people's yards, and the fact that this moth is present could mean that those boxwoods are now under threat of defoliation and death. How did you know about, I mean, obviously to identify this moth, you had to know that this was a problem. How did you know that the moth was out there in the first place? Or did you? So, yeah. So what's interesting is I had never seen or heard of this moth prior to my find uh, in early June of this year. The... I, when I documented the moth, I collected pictures of the moth, I could not find any native moth that looked anywhere close to, you know, what this moth looked like. And so I had to start thinking a little outside the box. And I decided to look at, you know, uh, some reports of non-native invasive species that have been documented in North America in the past, you know, decade, and I stumbled upon uh, the box tree moth, and once I looked at it, I could tell right away that that's exactly what I had, Um, and so from there, I knew that I needed to report this finding to uh, the state uh, Department of Agriculture, and basically, um, I I sent them photographs, and they decided they needed to come out to my property, uh, set up a lure uh, to attract a specimen that they could then collect and analyze uh, its DNA to uh, confirm that that it, you know, was in fact a box tree moth. 
And so pretty soon um, after this correspondence, we set up a lure, and within a couple days, we had multiple moths available for analysis. And um, we did indeed confirm that that was uh, that they were box tree moths. And before your your discovery, the closest state was Michigan, correct? Correct. And do you know any other history about like when they think these started coming in, or how long it's it, they've been in the United States? So yeah, um, <clears throat> the so this is a species uh, native to Asia, and uh, it became established in Europe in I believe two thousand eight ish. And within a few years, the entirety of Europe, um, particularly Germany, was uh, covered in these things. They were everywhere. And a, a reason for that is there, there are native boxwoods that grow. And so because those populations are prevalent, the box tree moth was able to disperse and spread uh, rapidly. And then in uh, 2000. 11, I believe it was documented in Ontario, Canada. Uh, and then uh, not too long after that, I believe 2016, they were documented in uh, nearby New York. And then uh, 2018, I believe they were documented in Michigan. Um, and so currently those are New York, Michigan, and now Ohio are the only states I'm aware of that have documented populations of this moth. And I know a lot of box trees we've seen, it's been pasted on Facebook, have been dying this summer. But isn't that a coincidence? Because that's not due to this moth, correct? That's correct. So boxwoods in general are very, um, you know, it's a labor-intensive plant to take care of. They have a number of ailments, um, that affect them. Um, they have winter die-off uh, from just harsh winters. Um, they have leaf miners that defoliate the leaves, um, and they have a variety of fungal ailments as well. So I've actually searched the Loveland area quite a bit, along with um, the Ohio Department of Agriculture and the USDA um, to identify where there are actual infestations uh, on the boxwoods. And by and large, most of the boxwoods I've evaluated are not affected by this moth. Um, right now, we actually only have one known uh, infestation where caterpillars have established themselves and basically annihilated the boxwoods that were there. Um, but we are definitely on the lookout for more of those. Um, so basically what you're looking for with those are boxwoods that appear to be uh, defoliated. You'll see leaves that have been chewed on. Um, a lot of the boxwoods that I've evaluated have leaves that have just fallen off of their, them, and they don't have any sort of bites or anything in them. There's nothing chewed off around them. Um, so what you're looking for are, in fact, areas where caterpillars have chewed the, the leaves. Uh, additionally, you'll see a small amount of webbing towards the sort of the ends of the twigs. Um, and that's where the caterpillars will kind of spend their time feeding. Um, oh, and of course, 
depending on the stage that they're in, the generation is in, you'll actually see the caterpillars on the plant itself. Over time, what happens is the uh, the plants are almost completely defoliated, so you'll see skeletons of you know the boxwoods that were there previously. And on one of the, and, and when the the posts that I've seen that the boxwoods that are dying that we're seeing are uh, mainly just just turning brown. Yes. Yeah. So yep. a big big difference. So what steps did the state have to take after you notified them and and they did their research and you found that there was an infestation? Uh, what did they have to do? So really the the big thing here is um, they they needed to communicate with local nurseries. Um, the nurseries that pro- su- supply and provide these boxwoods to people in Ohio and outside of Ohio um, are the ones that are particularly affected by this the presence of this this moth because essentially a, a quarantine has now been established in um you know hamilton county uh uh, claremont and um warren county and so um i i don't know the extent of what that means for these nurseries but i have an idea that they're not allowed to basically uh, sell their boxwoods outside of those areas now and they're like i said previously um sales of boxwoods make up a large proportion of what these nurseries you know do and so it can be economically um troublesome for for them the um but basically they they needed to communicate with those nurseries the state did uh, the federal government did and let them know what's going on so that they could inspect their own inventories and to my knowledge uh, none of these nurseries have um seen any uh, types of infestations yet so we, we've seen that they're here we don't see a lot of uh, damage done by them yet correct so why take such a big precaution it doesn't seem like a huge threat is it because there could be one somewhere else what are your thoughts yeah so <clears throat> currently it's just there's a lot of unknowns um, and yeah you know, for our natural environment, our local ecosystems, this isn't much of a threat um, as of yet. There have been some reports that suggest that they could, these box tree moths could use some uh, genera, uh, some types of native plants as hosts, but we haven't really seen that and there's not really conclusive evidence that that's the case. Uh, so in regards to native ecosystems, this is not much of a threat. This is purely a threat to the ornamental landscaping industry um, and them being able to continue to you know, run business as usual. And I hate to be devil's advocate, but uh, we do run a, a, a nonprofit together that pushes for people to buy native plants rather than plants such as these boxwoods. And I'm thinking that um, maybe this is with the plight that we've seen many boxwoods go through on their own this summer, people wondering what the heck's going on, why is my uh, boxwood dying? And then with this other threat, as nurseries have to take a look, right, this may may be uh, a gift. <laughs> people may say, you know what, i got to get rid of my boxwood now. Uh, what can I do to replace it? And if you need to replace it or want to replace it, what can they do, Doug? Yeah, so um, 
We have a uh, large list of native plants, including shrubs, that would you know be a good surrogate for the same sort of structure that a boxwood provides. We have that list available on our website um, in our information and resources section of the site. And yeah, um, the this like you said, this could present a great opportunity for folks to diversify their yards. Um, put not only you know new species in but native species that can contribute to the well-being of local ecosystems to uh, promote uh, healthy biodiversity in the area so um, yeah I, I would urge uh, listeners to consider using native species to replace those boxwoods that they're having issues with and then you're going to see more life in your yard, more native life, you know, more caterpillars that are going to be butterflies and bees and pollinators and moths that are native. And uh, and you're going to help the whole uh, local ecosystem if you do do that. And that's what we've been promoting through our organization. If you're unfamiliar, you can check out our website at www.loveourland.org. Um, but we wanted to present this story today because... This is the third state in the United States uh, that has discovered it, and it was by Doug. I mean, this, uh, <laughs> I think it's a pretty phenomenal thing, uh, something that we're definitely proud of and he should be proud of. And so uh, we wanted to present this story. And we presented it here on a, a short level, but be on the lookout because Love Our Land ourselves are going to be starting to put out a podcast. And it'll be a little bit longer and more in depth podcast on issues such as this. And so uh, be on the lookout for that. Looking ahead in Loveland, Dinner on Rouge, presented by the Loveland Legacy Foundation, will be held September 9th from 6.30 p.m. until 11 p.m. An evening of fellowship, fundraising, and community. So get your tickets today. For more information about this, you can listen to a podcast we did last month with two board members of the foundation. Also on September 9th is the Loveland Frogman Race. You can bike, paddle, and run in this mini triathlon. It's a five-mile kayak, an eight-mile bike ride, and a 5K run. All athletic levels are welcome. Sign up today. We have something truly special here in Loveland. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you have a great week. This episode was produced and engineered by On Brand Studios and recorded at the Grail here in Lovell, a special place here locally like no other. Mm-hmm.